Michigan's Upper Peninsula is my home and Escanaba is my hometown. I'm Craig Warple. Hometown Escanaba connects with the people, activities, and newsmakers of Escanaba and the UP. Join us for more interviews at hometownescanaba.com. Now let's find out what's going on. Ray Matson is with the Delta Conservation District. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Good morning, Craig. It. I didn't want to get you laughing right during your introduction. <laughs> Talking about the mouse hunting that's <laughs> going on over at Jim's her. house. We, uh, the season has come to an end for both Pioneer and Fuller Park, parks that you manage. Yes. Um, yeah, we started that with the county in 2010 uh, when the county came to us and said that uh, they were having some problems out there financially and also... Uh, with different buildings and uh, things like that. So uh, we took a long shot and we stepped out of our box a little bit from forestry and wildlife and uh, agriculture and uh, got into the recreation business. But I think it's been a pretty good match so far with the uh, conservation district and the county. And uh, How was the year? Uh, the year was real good, very, very busy. Uh, the sad thing about it is we could not get any summer help just like a regular business right mm -hmm. so so we had one individual but we had the most people and i think that's what state parks and everything from i did a little bit of a you know calling around to find out is that we actually were overbooked not that we overbooked the sites it's just that for the individuals that we had working there basically three of us uh full time it just turned into uh a nightmare as far as ours but uh, we got through it uh, I think people were pretty happy and it was a great summer I mean just you know financially for the parks but also just the weather and the camping experience was fantastic this year were you able to open up the cabins or did they come too late we, 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 it, most of them came too late we got one open but that's the thing we're working on right now uh, we're for laying next the year. flooring down and uh, basically, uh, the plan is, and it will happen, we will have those cabins ready to rent exactly like our other sites. So in March, when we have you know, the opening and everybody tries to book up, all the cabins will be open. We have 11 cabins, five at Pioneer, six at Fuller. Um, and they're pretty well, I can't remember if it's five and six or whatever, but uh, Half of them basically have a stairwell going up to a loft, which the kids enjoy, and the other ones just have a bigger bedroom. Now, since you've taken on the parks here with the county, set your sights on other large projects. So that's kind of the way that the organization has branched out. Yeah, the conservation district, we've gotten bigger over the years. Uh, we're probably one of the bigger conservation districts in the state, and we tend to step outside the box. I know the government state government long time ago wanted each conservation district to do what they call a natural resource assessment. In other words, what's the needs in your county? So probably for the last 10 years, even though we're running the parks and we're still doing forestry, wildlife, and agriculture and, that type, and helping uh, NRCS with their cost shares on the farm bill, those are the big programs that we traditionally do. I just kept looking for and listening to the community. And obviously... As you do that, um, we went back here a few years ago, and there was an old bridge. Mm -hmm. that, that, that nobody would claim. That nobody would claim. And uh, the interesting part, I was a road commissioner appointed there for, I don't know, four years or something. And during that time, we've, we got this letter from the state of Michigan basically saying, we just wanted to remind you that you are responsible for that old bridge. And we're all looking at you, what old bridge? 
and knowing that it's there, right? And mm-hmm. if you live around here long enough, you know it's there. But what happened supposedly in 1930s, the state of Michigan, whatever MDOT was then, Road Commission or whatever they called themselves, sent a letter to the Delta County Road Commission and said, you have 30 days to respond. We are giving you the bridge. If you don't want it, then that's that 30 days. You have to respond to us you don't want it. Well, I guess, I don't know if they ever got the letter. You know, nobody's around from then. So basically, ever since then, with that one little letter, it was determined that the road commission owned that old highway bridge and uh, on P Road there by the terrace, basically cutting across. Congratulations. So, right? No, congratulations. Yeah. So then, you know, this thing's falling down. It's a major, major hazard and mm-hmm. everything else. And I know people had been working on that. You know, we fast forward then to 2000s, right? And uh, people had been working, I think, for 50 years trying to figure out how to get it down. The south end was taken down because of the L&S Railroad. So I don't know if they took it down. I never did quite get that, but I think so. So it wouldn't fall on the track. So basically, to me, it was disconnected except on the north. So we looked at it and looked at it. And, uh, and then I went over and saw Tom Casperson, you know, and Senator Casperson, you know, we both were working on it. And, and uh, he said, well, you know, I did some work for Governor Snyder down in Detroit. I'm going to go talk to him. And lo and behold, that's how it happened. So through the whole thing was kind of interesting because I said I could do it or the district could do it for half a million dollars. They MDOT, gave you a million. Well, MDOT put a price on it as $3 million. And Wow. They, and they said nobody can do it any less than that. So through this talk that Tom was doing with the governor, and then the governor came up, and we looked at this, this thing, and he said, my people say you can't do it, and we can't fail here, Rory. I said, no, but it's not going to cost anymore. And, and that, of course, was three years before we did it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it took a little while. Um, so he said, I'll, I'll tell you what, he, we're going to give you $1.5 million. And I said, well, you can give us as much as you want. I'm only going to spend what we can spend, and then we'll give you the rest back. Well, we ended up really doing it for 450 but because of the water levels and because of the state, we had to hire an engineer. And the engineer <laughs> ended up costing almost 90000 I wasn't planning on getting an engineer to tear something down, right? Mm. I mean, to build it, yes, but to rip it down, all you need is a big old wrecking ball and away you go. They took that bridge down in three days. And the scary part was if you unhooked it from the north side, which we were going to start, would the whole thing just topple over? And there's the underground uh, gas line there, which goes under the river in its own little tunnel and uh, all kinds of stuff. But it's not that buried that deep. They were afraid that was going to pop off. But there's two lines there, so they could shut one off and keep the other going. Well, it ended up being stronger than you thought. A lot stronger. It held on right to the very end. And if you really knew Made what, some cool pictures, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and then the water went up, you know, so you couldn't actually, when they were tearing it down, you couldn't see what we could see two to three years before that. And that was basically a mound of rocks, of course, under the water or sticking out, depending on the water level. And then it came up to eight, about 12-inch cedar posts that came out of those rocks that were anchored into those rocks. And then that concrete foundations... The big abutments were just sitting on top of that. So to me, it was kind of interesting that I can't believe it's st- it sat there, but it did. The engineer who built it must have known what was going on. So we got that bugger knocked down. 
And then we then we ran into what the state has claimed they they just never heard of it. And plus, that was a general fund appropriation, which is very very seldom done. So we can't thank Governor Snyder enough. And then what ended up happening was we did it for just over half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. So we had this money left. So, a million dollars, yeah. Yep. So, so myself and Tom talked about it, and we said, uh, you know, boy, we could clean up the rest of the river. And then at the same time, we're listening to the community, right, about housing, about all these other problems that, you know, will be coming in the future and things like that and clean up. And, and you're looking at a beautiful shoreline up there with all that, the mold building. So you had the old tannery. Was this before or after the Hanneville Indian community wanted to do the project there? The, 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 the thought about cleaning everything up was before. Okay. Because uh, I called the river and uh, I got assigned to somebody for management and budget, Bob Adams. And he was wonderful to help me through a process that, you know, we're not normally in the demolition business. And, and all the contracts that you have to have and the contractors that all apply, <clears throat> making sure you don't get stung in the end and all those good things. So I learned a lot from him. And that management and budget processes, oh, my God, I spent so many hours. It's, it's just a massive thing, of course, with the state. But I kept calling it phase one, and so did Bob. So, we, so through his help, I started talking about phase two being the river. In phase three, if we had money left over, being up above. So since we did it for a half a million, and we had uh, about yeah, 930000 I think it was, left over, then we went back to the state and said, okay, we have this over. What can we do with the money? First of all, they ran into a problem because they said they have never, they very seldom, if ever, have people give money back. Mm-hmm. So they weren't even sure how to handle that. But it actually took two years or almost two years to just get the money allocated back. And that was done very quickly by Governor Snyder. And it was a line item that came out during that lame duck session just before he left. And it said 930, could be 60,000, I can't remember, but basically a million, was given to the Delta Conservation District to do environmental cleanup. So... Phase two would be the Escanaba River, and phase three would be up in the Wells Township Lake The tannery Shoreline. area, yeah. Yep, tannery, the old uh, log uh, home office that mm-hmm. was across the street, and then the gigantic road commission building, which turned out to be, I think it was 580 feet long as that building. And I remember how wide it was, but just, just all kinds of stuff there. And years before that, Hanneville had given the conservation district $100,000 too. So they really- for demolition? They, well- Cleanup? For, for cleanup. Mm-hmm. And that could have been in the river. That could have been um, you know, up there. So all that stuff was working together. And at that point, they've already had plans then developed for that property. They were, yeah, they were, they were uh, hoping to pick up the entire lakeshore there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I believe at that time, they were probably working with the Air Force down where the big the tanks, tanks are. are. Mm-hmm. And then also, but I believe they had bought the tannery piece, but the road commission piece, they hadn't got yet. So it was all this kind of working together, but and it was a bigger project that, that was kind of looked at. Well, after we decided, the district did, that that was phase two and phase three, then, of course, you know, I attend all the Delta County uh, board meetings just because of the parks and things like that. If they have questions or natural resources. Um, 
I started hearing about the housing a lot, and that's a big issue right now, and also the sewer and water. So right now, what, where we're at with that whole thing is the river is cleaned up to the best of our ability. The old trolley abutments that are cement, if anybody wants to see them, I can't remember the little road in Wells, you can cut down to that corner. Or you can canoe or boat there too. Or you can canoe or boat. Because our scouts did that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they love those little pillars. Yeah. Well, they're going to get to see them, keep them. Okay. We wanted to take them out, but the logistics is almost impossible. And the reason is, how do you get to them with that uh, CN railroad, railroad bridge being bridge. there? Yeah, it's real close. Yep. Uh, we measured it this spring uh, because we had put everything out for bids. And we wanted those bids back in June. And then we, we wanted everything done by the end of this month. So basically where we were at with that is the old, that old wooden pier bridge that went across by the North Shore boat launch. Mm -hmm. If anybody goes out there, that's gone. The deadheads are gone. Um, Basic Marine moved in there a week ago with that, oh man, did they bring in a barge. They actually hit a sandbar coming into the Escanaba River. So they had a little problem there and I was afraid we're not even be able to get up the river. So, you know, who knew this big, and, and that thing will sit only I guess they had it, however they can adjust the air and things in it. It only was down three feet. So you knew there's a pretty good sandbar just out into the bay. I suppose where the river dumps everything, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So they got through that, but I believe that barge was 280 foot long or whatever. And they had a big crane on it, an excavator, and a little bobcat on it. Uh, bobcat from shore looked like a Tonka toy. This thing was so big. I couldn't believe they came in with something that big, but... They basically plucked all that stuff out of there. It's it, it's all gone. I'm surprised you were able to do that. Do, do what? Pull those pilings out. You mean b- because of how they were put in? No, the DNR. Yeah, permit wise. Oh no, the DEQ and the Corps were very good at getting permits for those. Do you I remember think. when they built the uh, boat launch there? Yes. And the problems they had because the DNR would not allow, or somebody would not allow yep. the pulling of those pylons. And so then somebody in the city, I always tell this story, that somebody in the city got smart and asked if they would partner with the city, and they went, sure, and then pulled all the pilings out. Well, we, we were a little smarter, maybe, and, and had a little bit of history. I guess, yeah, it's not smarter. It's actually going back in history. You know, when I was in school, I, and I liked Michigan history and Native American history and things like that, and some history, but history class, you know, I didn't really know anybody who loved history class. I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't learn anything in history. I learned it later. Yeah, but but let me tell you how important history is, and that's what I see lost sometimes in this country. But you know, um, so when we we applied for the bridge, that took a long time. Mm-hmm. The core was really what I thought over, you know. Protective. But that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we finally got it. That's what took all those years to get going on it, until the water came up. Then it was a bigger struggle. But we. I kind of know what they want and what they don't want. So we literally cut off the wood. So in other words, you just sawed the wood off. They got stuff now. Divers can go down and just cut things off. And mm-hmm. so, you know, things work good. So everything got removed there. We got the permits to do that. And we got the permits to r- remove the concrete. Except we couldn't fit any type of a halfway decent barge and a crane or an excavator on it. Because this spring, from the water level to the top lowest part of that bridge was 14 feet and seven inches. And that really eliminates almost 
you know, a barge coming with something big enough to grab those concrete things and hold them so they don't fall into the water. And then you got to try to figure out how to fish them out of there, right? Okay. And it's very deep right there, especially where the big ones are. It's like yeah. 20 feet deep. And you can't see. We've had divers down. We did the bridge. And as soon as you start flipping around, you got so much sediment down there. It's just a mucky thing and you can't see to me to you. So otherwise, you have to come down that one road. And then you're going to have to cross the ELS track. Now, I checked into that, and the railroad was okay with us crossing the track. But with the equipment and the money that they have to do just because of permits, and they got to have somebody there, you know, watching that track, even though they're not moving a train, it's just the rules, that we determined that there's just no way. And then in the bid, we only got one bid, and it was so high it was more than taken out the Escanaba River Bridge. So last week, the final pilings were pulled, so that ends the cleanup then for the Escanaba River? For phase River? two, correct, as far as, far as, as we're, we're concerned. Right. Phase three is up on land. Phase three That's is up on land. That's not completed yet? No, uh, we, we tore down all the buildings and everything in the month of July, um, maybe a little into August, but it was very fast. Everything came down except for the slabs. The slabs were rebid out. And I guess it wasn't in July, it was um, uh, May, I think, or April, all the buildings came down. So then we uh, put out the bid for the slabs, so that's being done right now. So any slab that was on the ground, and I wasn't sure how much all this was going to cost, that's why we did it in that way. The worst case scenario, get the buildings down, get the hazard done, you know, get a kind of a view going there, and if you got to pull out cement, you can do that later. Or let the developers do it. Correct. That that's happens. what I meant. Yep. Mm -hmm. So whatever, whatever would happen. But we had money still. So those slabs are all coming out. Uh, Bickler Gravel got the bid uh, for the slabs. So they're over with a crusher. Small, they're doing that yet this portable, year? Yep. They're doing it right now. So, so they've worked on the tannery. They almost got that. They'll be moving over the road commission building. They did go across and get the little cement slab at the timber home. And then uh, they'll be over at the Air Force getting those few. And then Burnett and Sons got the contract to pull down the fence. There's an old fence that's kind of in the tag altars and everything in front of the road commission. And then when you get over, if anybody's been down to where the old tanks were at the Air Force, there's a huge, uh, there's a fence around that whole thing. So there's, I actually measured it. I think it's 6,600 feet. So there's over a mile of fence. So that'll all be pulled out here very shortly. Talked to Ed yesterday. He'll be moving in there tomorrow or the week after. Will phase three then be completed this year? Phase three will be completed. So then listening and you have a piece of ground, there's always been environmental contamination problems over on that area. because The PFAS is over by the tanks. Right, on, on the Air Force. Uh, the, the Air Force. The tannery, of course, has got yep. its own problems. Yep. But, but, and then the Road Commission's got its other but problems. But those sites have been, for years and years, which right. people don't know about, been in the cleanup phase. So those are all clear. Okay. The uh, PFAS is still, my understanding, still being worked on with the Air Force in Hanneville. But, but they have a plan now, and it's only in one area. And uh, any disturbance, I think they're going to haul it away, and uh, Hanneville's hand handling that part. So the, the question is, now you have this property. There's a huge potential for housing. There's a huge potential to come up with some type of uh, different business or industry or something on the old Air Force piece. Because, Separate from the Hanneville project? Yes, yes, because the reason behind it is the... The area where, that might do housing and stores and things like that 
is cleared, beautiful view there. When you get down to the Air Force property, it's lower. It's got that big uh, dock out there, you know, that goes way out into the water there. Um, so that all can be used for something different, big ships coming in or whatever. So, so there's a little bit more of a thought process there. But what's holding up the whole development plus the environmental things, and I want to give a shout out to Ed McBroom because he's trying to get money for that right now, is sewer and water. Uh, so either Escanaba or Gladstone, it could come from either way, and sewer and water would be put in. So the conservation district now is in pursuit of phase four to see if we can get money or get I don't really care who it's allocated to to put water and sewer over there because if that happens then you're going to see development over there the original plan was to put a walk bridge where the old bridge was taken down and then attach the utilities to the bottom of that bridge and and yeah and I still hear people talking about that but when you attach those utilities to the bridge and you have potential in the winter to get 30 below winds and then whatever the feel-like temperature would be, right? I mean, 30 below temperatures and then a feel-like with wind, it, it's silly. Um, so we, tunneling is still a better option? Uh, by far. Basically, I did a project th through the district. I, I call it the fiber optic, and that's what it was for Delta, uh, Marquette, and Elger counties here many years ago. I did the wetlands. And, and when they got to all those rivers, like the Ott train, mm -hmm. they just directionally poured. Where will the funds come for phase four? We're, we're, uh, Ed, that's what Ed's working on right now, where I say, we're, you know. How much? He's down there. <clears throat> $18.1 is Whoa. my understanding, too. So it's not cheap um, to bring water and sewer over to that area from one of the municipalities. Of course, when it does, it can connect all to the homes. It can connect to the Terrace Bay. It can connect to all that, that stuff in there. And the Well, you know that the city of Escanaba is going through an expansion of its wastewater plant. Correct. Are they anticipating connecting this portion it, of it, Wells Township? You know, those discussions have been there. I haven't really been part of those discussions. What I've looked at is that will all come if there's money available. So a couple engineering firms uh, got me figures, and we submitted them to the state for two pots of money. I know Ed is working with the DEQ right now through maybe grants or whatever else for that, for the environmental part of that. Mm -hmm. And then also at the same time, there's $6.5 billion sitting in COVID money. And so that's kind of interesting, too, that these regions and what could come. Yeah, but, I just talked to Bo Lefebvre about that, that they're in the yep. process of trying to decide how that money will be spent. Right, so so that, that proposal's in there, too. The, the thing that the conservation district is interested in isn't as much the sewer and water getting there, although we are because of the environmental impact. But that project we wouldn't take on, but 10 to 15 years ago, the, our conservation district, through that resource assessment and just working with private landowners, have identified that we're going to have a serious supply of softwood out in the forest. And what that basically means of, is, mean? no, we're going to have the supply, no demand. 
So you're seeing it with the uh, spruce budworm. Spruce budworm in the okay. last two to three years have come in, and you can find on private property, you can find on state land, you can find all over that you have these very large stands. And, of course, if that was harvested earlier as it's coming in, we could have used that, right? But since there's no demand, a small demand. So what would you propose? So what we've been proposing for five years, and that's part of phase four to us, is if sewer and water can get there, now we have rail, we have trucking right to that pier. So the it's too small of an area over there to put a, a mill. But I'd like to see another forest products mill in the Upper Peninsula that would use that resource, not compete with the Versos, not compete with some other uh, you know, uh, mills that we have in the UP, but complement them because I work with the private landowners and private landowners in the UP, a lot of them own property for hunting, right? That's their recreation and, or just viewing wildlife. Mm-hmm. Well, if you got balsam stands, spruce stands, these type that are sometimes lower quality wood, but they're good for paper, they're good for particle board, they're good for uh, pallets, they're good for all these different things. If we can get a mill that'll special, or chips, that you could load the boats and send over, you know, to England or uh, UK that way. All these things are possible, and we're going to have the supply. No more than the Oroco milk went into grayling. So, how would that industrial type site fit in with the residential and the uh, because, entertainment area? Because that we're the mill about? won't be there. The mill would have to be located inland, right? But the shipping so, portion would be. S- so the shipping portion would be, and at the same time, it's interesting to hear that products like that they use for cement and some other products, um, everybody in the Upper Peninsula is driving to Milwaukee where those boats are and pick it up and bring it back. So the well, we've shipping, got other docks here too. You got the Reese Cole dock. Right. Probably so, could be used somehow. And- so, so all that's possible. So... Uh, so, so for the housing, I, I guess a whole bunch of possibilities are there. So our district is looking at that resource mill as, as, as what we really need, the Upper Peninsula, for jobs, for just the resource, for everybody's enjoyment on their own property. Are you talking with a company to do this now? Um, th- I, I haven't talked to any companies yet. We're, we're trying to get the sewer and water, and once that happens, then again, depending on all those places you named, Basic Marine, Reese's Coal Dock, the other one, there's all these potentials for having transportation and having a rail system that goes there to load ships. Why is water and sewer needed to do that? Be- because right now, the all that whole area there, um, including the houses and everything, has environmental problems. Because, um, you know, I don't want to name any businesses, but... Basically, here a few years ago, um, there was a serious problem. It was in the paper and everything, you know, but but basically the septic system's over there mm-hmm. and just coming up on the ground, right. and I think everybody knows about it, but um, th- they haven't went away. They're still there. So areas like that that are being developed or whatever and maybe housing projects that will come and the potential, you know, on the one piece that the Hanneville owns um, you know, if housing was put in there by condos, you could put a lot of them in there and, and, you know, put a medium 
cost housing in there. Does the Hanneville Indian community currently own the property then? The, the Hanneville Indian community currently owns the tannery location, the Air Force location. But again, because of stipulations there with the PFOS and other things, you're looking at a different okay. type of Who owns setting. the rest of the property? And the rest of it then is owned right now by Delta County Road Commission. But there has been an agreement from Delta County Road Commission and the Hanneville Indian community that once those buildings are down and everything uh, cleans up, the title will, will go over to Hanneville. So, so there's they still development property available that's not tribal land? We'll say that again, Craig? There's still land available that's not tribal land? Uh, the wooded, wooded pieces are basically private owned as far as I know. Okay. So, but, but, but those, those areas, the road commission and the tannery is enough to put many, many condos in there. I've heard the number. I don't even want to say it, but it, it's a lot more than I thought. Uh, basically some kind of a, you know, a nice housing mm -hmm. that would attract people here who want jobs and jobs. And like so I said- So when is phase four starting? Phase four would start as soon as we can get some money for the sewer and water. So and, that and depends on the legislation. It then. depends on the legislation. So Ed's working on that now with all his people. They're doing a great job trying to f figure out how to get that here, depending on what the UP gets for COVID money, if that comes to the region, or if it's a special appropriation out of somewhere. So um, they're working on that hard, and I think we'll know by December whether that type of thing's going, but at least the word's getting out. But our conservation district, uh, even after me, is, is going to pursue and try to work with the state of Michigan um, on getting another mill to the up because it's, it's really gonna, it's really going to be needed yep because i i see it right from the recreation of people who own it if you can't sell softwoods like i own quite a bit of land you know eventually if i can or my kids can't sell their softwoods mm -hmm. or it's got to be trucked a long way you don't get much for it but you know i'm sick of watching minnesota and wisconsin look at this and seriously start to build things and start to reopen things. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, God, we got it right here. Well, you mentioned chips. What other products can you get from the softwood? Well, you can get all these particle boards, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call them, the four by eight sheets. Um, you can also do pallets. You can, you can do a lot of stuff with this. You can literally do four by fours that are treated, right? It doesn't matter as long as they're treated. So the, all kinds of things could spur and maybe more than one would come in, or maybe one big one would come in like they did in Grayling. And, uh, you but know, no location right now. You're just saying off site. Well, I, I, I do know of a couple places, but again, I'm waiting for sewer and water. And then I think one of the entities, it would be what they do. So I think they would either sell or lease or do something to try to help this, help this get in. So the economic development potential through housing through the environmental cleanup, and also through uh, potential of bringing in a new mill to the you know middle of the middle of the UP, would just be something that the conservation district looked at, and we said it's it is natural resources, it is environmental, so that's why we've been involved. Rory Matson is with the Delta Conservation District. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> telling us all about this. That's quite a project that yeah, and, uh, we've and, certainly and, been watching. And all the little meetings that about. I go to, you hear people talking about all this, but nobody's grabbing it and connecting it. Putting it, it. together, so, yeah. So we, we thought from the bridge on, uh, we'll just do it and we'll just try to move forward. 
Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our sponsor, SwedishPimple.com. Check out all of the fishing lures made right here in the Upper Peninsula at SwedishPimple.com. You can continue to follow us at HometownEscanaba.com. We connect with the people, activities, and newsmakers from Escanaba and Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Thank you.